0: Hey babe, it's Paige. I'm so grateful you're here. This podcast audience of awesome women is growing with every episode and I'm dying to connect with you personally. So if you'd like to chat, text the word pivot to my new number, 213-325-4600. There you can enter your contact info and you'll immediately find helpful links for some one-on-one support in either getting organized or making your next pivot with confidence. Again, you can text the word pivot, P-I-V-O-T, to 213-325-4600. And that number will also be linked in all the show notes. Then we can start a conversation about how I can support you these days. I can't wait to talk to you soon and join forces because we are better together. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, I'm Paige Killian, founder and CEO of Everything With Style. I've built a business helping busy moms of littles get organized in three simple steps. Like many of my clients, I love being a mom and I also desire more. If you've ever felt that stirring in your heart, that whisper or really loud voice that keeps you up at night, then you are in the right place because this is not a solo mission. Whether you're a little curious or totally ready to be a mom, boss and use your God-given gifts to serve others, Up into your calling, turn your passions into purpose, and still make it to the carpool line on time, then, girlfriend, it's time to pivot. I've got you. Now let's get started. Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Time to Pivot podcast. I am joined today by someone I met fairly recently, and we hit it off, and I love her so much. She is another Landon Hale Press author that I am so blessed to be joined with in that happy family. Got to give a quick shout out to our girl, Samantha Joy, who's bringing all these awesome people together. I've said it before. Whenever I've had these other authors on, I'll say it again. I love them so much. It really, truly feels like a family, and the person I have on today is the author of a book we're going to get into and talk about today, and it is very interesting. It's going to spike your curiosity, but there's so much more to this book than meets the eye. Her name is Dr. Lauren Farmer, and she and I actually met at the Fem Powered Live conference in August of 2023. I'm saying that because we're getting ready to go into 2024, and we just happened to join up as roommates and we became fast friends. So Dr. Lauren Farmer, thank you so much for joining me today. You're laughing like you're like, oh, that's so fancy with the doctor.
1: It's funny because nobody calls me that, you know, but thank you so much for having me. I forget even sometimes that I do have a doctorate. It's like, what? Who is that?
0: Who's that girl? You're (laughs) fancy girl. You're so educated. I love it. Well, that's one of the things that I love about you too, is that you have this wealth of knowledge. I mean, we were like middle school girls at a sleepover. We could not stop talking. It was so hard. Even after we turned the lights out, we like, I know, you know, we wanted to keep talking and I just so appreciate Your brain and your heart. We had some good stuff to talk about. It was really fun. One of the things that was the topic of conversation, because we were at that conference as authors sitting on the author panel together. So that was a lot of fun. So yeah, one of the things we talked about was just what it was like when we were writing our book, what our books were about. And at that time, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you like three weeks out from your book being published at that point?
1: Yes, so I was actually waiting on first round edits at yeah. that conference, so it wasn't published yet, and it was kind of hard for me because I was the only author who was unpublished on the panel. So almost a little bit of what's the word I'm looking for? Like
0: imposter syndrome? Like thank do you. I yes. To yeah. Yes. Imposter syndrome. Exactly.
1: But also at the same time, like excitement, because all of y'all were exactly where I was going to be. And I remember just being so thankful for our conversations that we had. And you were kind of like the mama bear friend who was pulling me through and telling me, you know, I've been there, it's going to be okay. And all these emotions and feelings were normal. Well, normal for people who publish a book, I should say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I totally understand that. And you know, what's wild. I don't know if I've talked to you about this yet. I have talked to Sam a little bit about it, but I am actually, I don't know if I'm just a glutton for punishment or what, but I'm actually considering writing a second book. I'm working on it.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I get those feelings again. I know what you mean. And even if you've done it once, when you're getting ready to put yourself out there, that is a really unnerving experience. And I think it comes from a place of, you just want to do a good job, right? You know, absolutely.
1: Well, you want people to know that like your heart's coming from a good place and you're going to have mess ups. And my first negative review that I read on Amazon, somebody was pointing out little facts that I got wrong. And part of me was really grateful to have that out of the way. Be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect. And I definitely got those things wrong and they were missed in editing. And It's not a big deal because I'm a human and I never claimed to be anything other than that. So I feel like those jitters and those nerves are just us wanting to do the best that we can and show our hearts and make sure that people see and receive that because it's nerve wracking to tell your story or to share your thoughts, the things that hopefully nobody else knows or can See, right. Sometimes I'm like, oh, are people reading my mind, but you know, just being silly, but they're out there. And so when you put yourself out there over and over, it's natural for those feelings to come back each and every time. Absolutely. And this podcast,
0: I started it and decided to call it time to pivot because it doesn't matter who is listening. Life is all about having opportunities. Sometimes they're scary and sometimes they're exciting and sometimes they're all other emotions but there are times when we are putting ourselves out there. We are walking into change. Some of us are resisting that change. Actually just did a podcast episode of recording all about like embracing change with confidence, even when you're uncertain, even when you're scared. And I love that you are so open about that because, you know, you and I even had a couple of really hard conversations, good needed, hard conversations Even right before we met and became roommates at that Mm -hmm. conference, we were having those moments when you were in those final stages, when you were about to send it off. I think you're on maybe the last chapter and you're like, I just kind of hit a wall. Like I kind of fell stuck. And I was like, I know what it is. And you and I, I mean, I'm wearing a sweatshirt today that says, seek Jesus. I have a bracelet on that says, trust God. So we, you and I connected on the fact that our faith really drives us and I shared with you, I was like, I believe that when we are moving toward our purpose and doing something in service of others, the enemy, and this mm-hmm. might sound crazy to some of you listening, but Lauren and I get it. The enemy, I mean, you are under attack. He is coming yes. for you because that is his mission is to stop you when you are doing something
1: for the glory of God. Absolutely. And, yeah. I think you were we'll think always here in okay. the middle of that, right? Yes. So you're always going to meet the most resistance before your biggest breakthroughs, you know, because if you are doing the work of God, the work you're called to do through whatever belief system you have, the opposition, the enemy, whatever you want to call that is going to be trying to keep you from achieving and meeting those huge goals because we're high achievers. We are here to help other people, to grow, to learn. And those are not things that... Negative people and the negative energy want to happen. So they're always going to be kind of keeping that ceiling down on us as much as possible.
0: Yeah. And that is tricky business because we are humans. And I think that we're wired to protect ourselves, right? So when those nerves and that fear sets in, it is a way of it protecting us. But We just have to trust that the Holy Spirit is going to bring us through it because it's a lot, it's heavy. And you know what? On that note, I would actually love, I was looking, I was looking back over this book again. You just wait, you guys who are listening, I'm going to tell you right now that when Lauren and I got on and she was like, did you read the book? I was like, hold on a second. I'm not going (laughs) to tell you one single thing about my thoughts about this book because (laughs) I'm going to say it on the podcast. So she doesn't even know what I think about it. I can't wait. I can't even tell you how excited I am right now. Wild, wild. You just wait. Speaking of wild, I was hoping, is it okay with you, Lauren? If I just read on the back of your book, can I just read this top section? Because I think that is a great way just for you guys to know a little bit about her story. We'll dive in a little bit deeper, but this just really got me. I think it's so, so beautifully done. And it's going to give you an idea of what exactly her story is and what she is sharing so vulnerably, so beautifully with the world. It says, a true story of tragedy survival, and hope. That's a big claim right out of the gate. Let me just tell you this book delivers on that. After surviving the sixth deadliest tornado in Tennessee's history, which claimed 19 lives from her community, author Lauren Farmer lost nearly everything. This devastation set her on a profound path of recovery and healing. Throughout this journey, she became acutely aware of the numerous miracles God had woven into her life, guiding her through each decision, including her choice to write this book. In After the Storm, that's the name of the book, After the Storm. In After the Storm, she shares touching memories from her childhood, details the way God prepared her to endure such difficult times, and describes how he helped her recover and rebuild a life better than she could have imagined. So that is powerful. I just got chills actually when I said it. That is powerful. And I just have to tell you guys, that was, I think, why near the end, I don't want to speak for you, Lauren, you can speak to this, but I think that was part of the reason that that final chapter, that final push was tough for you. Not to mention the fact, by the way, that you had a toddler, two dogs. And we're pregnant with your second beautiful baby boy who is here now, a couple of weeks old, who is sleeping in the other room. And your sweet husband, Corey, is taking care of him. Should wake up while we're talking. Definitely awake right now, but thank goodness for him. (laughs) Absolutely. And thank goodness for him. You're going to hear a lot. If you guys listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, everybody in the whole wide world needs to get this book. And it is the holidays. You guys are going to hear this episode before the holidays. Get this book, buy it for everybody. It is so good. It is so good. Your writing is incredible. But what I was saying is that I think part of the reason that last bit there at the end was just a little bit difficult wasn't because you were super pregnant and all these things were going on. It was more because you wanted to make sure that you did justice to this story. You wanted to make sure that you really were taking into consideration the lives of the people in your community and how sensitive and precious this story was. So where do you want to go from here? Do you want to tell us a little bit about this story and how this came to be. I want to hand it over to you because you tell it so beautifully in the book. I don't want to give away too many things. I would just love to hear from you what it was like living this. And then we'll talk a little bit more about what it was like
1: writing about it.
0: How do you feel? Yeah. About it?
1: Oh, what a question. So I'm going to try my best to answer that. You may have to lead me a little bit, but living through a tornado. Well, first of all, there's different levels of tornadoes, right? They call it EF zero through five with five being the most catastrophic. And the one that we survived was an EF four, which was five miles per hour away from being categorized as an EF five. So very, very intense. It was two in the morning when we got hit and I live in rural Tennessee outside the city limits and we don't have tornado sirens. And to be honest, I am not native to Tennessee. I'm from Florida. I'm more familiar with hurricanes. You know, you have time to prep and you kind of have an idea if you need to evacuate or get out. Not that you always do it, but you know, you at least know it's coming. With a tornado like this, we were hit in the middle of the night with less than a minute warning before being buried under the rubble of our houses. And the only way that I can really describe the scene is to just imagine any war movie with piles of rubble and just pure chaos. We're talking power lines down, people screaming. I mean, nobody could get to us. All of the roads that were leading to us were completely blocked. We didn't see EMS for like 30 or 40 minutes. And then the first person we saw was a singular guy who was able to get through with his private vehicle and then walk to us or run, you know, by foot. So that night just took us by complete surprise. Every single house on our side of the road, we live on a cul-de-sac. We actually still live here. We rebuilt and every single house on this side of the street was completely gone. We're talking every wall. The subfloors were gone from every house, but our house, um I always joked that we laid the hardwood floors and I put so many staples in or um nail, you know, I Yes.
0: When you have the nail gun, like you shoot it into the ground. Is that what you mean? I don't sleep too much. So my <laughs>
1: sometimes words are hard right now with a newborn. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we nailed those floors. in, so I was joked that we knew so many nails that they just didn't come up. But basically I just want to kind of help set the picture like, Oh, this wasn't a scene out of a movie where there's a tornado and you're watching it go by and you lose a few shingles. No, this was buried in piles of rubble. My next door neighbors lost their four-year-old daughter. We lost nine people on our street and the street behind us, including like an entire family of three with their one-year-old. I mean, it was just completely devastating. So I set the scene for this because this is something tragic and horrible. And it was almost something like in the moment, it was like not happening to me. It was third person experiencing it through somebody else and even the recovery in the time after it and the decisions we made, which I really go into detail in the book, you know, where are we going to live now? There's 80 plus families that are displaced that have homes that are not livable right now. And so we got to find a rental and we have to find temporary housing and just how God set us up through every single decision. As you can imagine, we're going through PTSD, a lot of anxiety and depression. Oh, and by the way, this is a week before we went into lockdown for COVID. So if you want to order something from Amazon, there's so much that is on back order, right? Because it's quote, quote, non-essential. But when you have nothing, everything is essential. How are people going to tell me? What is essential to my life? So that was something we had to navigate through. And then my husband and I are both in the healthcare profession. I'm a physical therapist. And at the time I was doing home health and he is a nurse and his floor at the hospital turned into the COVID floor. So when both of us went back to work, we had to navigate dealing with COVID patients and kind of just working through everything. You know, we've lost everything. We lost every possession we had from our cars to our houses to memorabilia, you know, from your childhood you lose everything. And not that you would even want everything, but just the fact that you didn't get to pick was really hard. So we're going through a ton of stuff throughout this whole time. And the whole idea for the book came with the first miracle that I experienced that night, of course, after being saved and our lives spared. When we crawled out of the rubble and started helping our neighbors and pulling them out of the rubble, I happened upon a pair of shoes. And that's the only one I'll give away. But just if you can imagine stuff everywhere. If you've seen pictures of deadly tornadoes, there's stuff is everywhere. And I found a pair of my husband's shoes, a golf cleat and a tennis shoe side by side waiting for me when I crawled down from this pile. I don't even know how I didn't step on a nail then. But just every little step of the way we are provided for. And I really wanted to spell that out that in the craziest tragedy, in the worst moments of your life, God is there and he's rooting for you. And he wants you to see all the little miracles. Miracles don't have to be this huge life-changing event. They can be the smallest things. And God sends us miracles through his servants and his people. So for example, You're a miracle for me in my life, helping guide me through the book and Samantha, the publisher, she connected us and just, I don't know, somehow it all aligned perfectly so that you would help me get through it and help me really finish the book and have the confidence to put it out in the world. Thank you so much. I'm
0: being quiet because I wanted you to talk about this, but also I'm being quiet because I've just gone through a roller coaster of emotions thinking about what you write about in this book, but also thinking about what you lived through that night and now the fact that at the end of it you're even telling me that meeting me and us working together was part of a miracle. I mean, you are god, you're amazing. I love you. I appreciate you. I uh, love you guys truly this when I was reading this book, I already knew, I mean, Lauren, you had already told me what the story was. I knew what I was going to read about. I'm from Tennessee. So tornadoes are crazy wild. And I, I knew when you told me about this again, sixth deadliest in Tennessee history, right? That I thought that I was prepared and equipped to read this book not as a person who was there, but as, you know, a person who was just reading about this, your writing is so beautiful. is so captivating that I felt like I was there. I had tears streaming down my face. I was ill equipped. Okay. I was not (laughs) equipped to read this book oh my gosh, there's so many different ways I want to go with this. First, I want to talk about like the fact that you have scripture in every chapter, which makes me so happy. When I wrote my book, that was really important to me. My editor, Jessica Killingly, I thought I was just writing a book about organizing and, you know, helping busy moms that had a bunch of, you know, stuff around the house that needed to be organized. And we joked that she demanded with her red pen in the margins, more Jesus, more Jesus. And the book just took on, you know, a completely different life of its own than I thought that it was going to be. Cause I do believe that God had a hand in writing writing that book through me and my little laptop at three and four AM when I would write, I had a little one as well. When I was writing the book, that was pre COVID as well when I was writing it. And then it came out after, but also I feel like you had to feel like he was not only guiding you then, but guiding you through writing the book. You do such a beautiful job of dropping verses in the book that pertained to those chapters, you talked about your neighbors and what really is a neighbor and mm-hmm. start with your next neighbor, but then also just your community. And also your neighbors are everyone, like everyone that we come in contact with and how God talks about that in the Bible. And then I loved, I mean, I loved, but also it was crushing to read the hard part about the storm and what happened after the storm but i love how you could you speak a little bit if you want to i don't know how comfortable you feel about going back to this but this was such an interesting part that i read in the book before you talk about the actual storm which i think was god setting the scene for those miracles to happen for you to be aware of those is when you write that chapter before the storm hit, I think you call it the drill or something where it yes. like had that time before it happened, you could have never known what was going to happen. And you talk about how your husband was at work. I think you said he was like, he was on a, like, a have like a really long day of work and there were really high winds and you had your two dogs and you have those fabulous, what are they called? I'm blanking on them. The type of My- dog. German Shepherd. German Shepherds. Thank you. I was like the police dogs. The police dogs. They're so gorgeous. Yeah. So you talk about in the book like actually building your house from the ground up, which is amazing. Then you talk about deciding, oh yeah, let's also get two puppies. Why not? That seems like the perfect <laughs> thing to do while you're building a house. That's not. Oh, stressful. and my
1: husband was in nursing school at the time,
0: and he was in nursing school, of course. Throw that into the mix, right? Yeah, so all of that. Not? Talk about the perfect storm of chaos, but but you guys handled that so beautifully and you really worked well together as a team. And so then talk about that chapter where you, I mean, that was so, that was, I wish I could think of the words that maybe I'm sleep deprived too, girl, I'm feeling for you, (laughs) but that was so incredible. The way that you set the scene for what was about to happen. Tell us a little bit about What you
1: experienced? How soon was that? Was it the day before? Was it? It was the week before, either the weekend or the week. To be perfectly honest, it all kind of runs together, but it was within seven days, so close enough. Okay, so I kind of talk a little bit about a weird occurrence. Like you said, my husband was working. It was the evening, late evening before bedtime, and I was just on the couch with my dogs, kind of hanging out, and there was. I don't remember if we got a, like a wind advisory or something, but I started hearing a lot of wind on the patio and the grill was moving around. And so that's really not the important part. The important part is I was scared to go out there because of the big wind gusts. So I called my husband and he kind of gave me some instructions. And then I started thinking like, okay, Well, he reminded me that we have a a semi-safe room. It was under the stairs with reinforced plywood and a heavier door so that we thought we were protected, right? We had a place to go, not exactly a basement or a storm shelter, but the next best thing in our minds. And he was like, just make sure you have everything that you need in there. And he reminded me about getting some flameless candles out because if the power went out, I would need that. And what's crazy is in the months before the tornado hit, we had gone on an all out page style cleaning organizational spree. Like, y'all. Yes.
0: (laughs) Can I just tell you the organizer in me was, you know, how I read that part of the book,
1: right? I'm sure. Yeah. And then I was like, yes, yes, Corey. Yes. yes, Mm -hmm. So we like, we had boxes that we had taken with us from college and whatever. And, you know, the boxes that you never open and never look at, we opened them all and we looked at them all. We read the letters together. I looked at his black belt in Taekwondo. He looked at my national gold medals for gymnastics. And we really got to experience a lot of that stuff together. And then we, we did a big purge and we created some spaces upstairs that we were really proud of. And then part of this purge was organizing our closet under the stairs because we had a flashlight, our first aid kit, our gallons of water, and my box of wine, which is always obligatory to keep (laughs) in an emergency situation. I'll tell you, it did not help in an emergency situation, but it helps me before mentally be like, okay, well, if we have to go sit in a dark room while there's no power for two hours, at least I can have a glass of wine. Yeah, girl. So So funny. It's so funny what goes through your mind ahead of time and like... What do I need to
0: deal with an emergency situation? Let's just grab that box of wine just in case. Why not, right? Hey, quick reminder, you can now get my book in four different ways. Head over to Amazon and search up I've Got You Girlfriend. The subtitle is Why Getting Organized and Living This Mom Life is Not a Solo Mission. You can find it there on e-reader. That's through the Kindle app, paperback, hardcover, and the audiobook. So, if you're enjoying this podcast, I have a feeling you may love the audiobook. Again, it's called I've Got You, Girlfriend Why Getting Organized and Living This Mom Life is Not a Solo Mission. Thanks so much for making it a bestseller. And back to the show.
1: Okay, so we talked about the candles and everything and the water and the first aid kit. And then it was just me and the girls, which is what I call my dogs, Zena and Shadow. And I was like, you know, if something happens, And it's just me. I need to be able to control these dogs and they're 80 pound dogs. They're big dogs and they've been through training and everything, but you never know how they're going to react in an emergency situation. So I was like, you know, I've got to have our gentle lead leashes, which are the best leashes. If you need a leash for big dog, gentle lead a hundred percent. I love them. So I made a mental note to go check and make sure I knew where they were, which for the night of the storm was huge and having those and just basically the power did go out. I did need to get all this stuff ready. And I did need to have my mental space in a good place so that the following weekend or whenever it was, I was in a ready mindset because we had less than a minute. Granted, we didn't know we had less than a minute. We woke up to our phones and you can read about the details, but basically me and my silly self ran back from the safe room to my closet across the house to get my socks, my wool socks. Cause I hate having cold feet. And I just was like, Oh, we'll be hanging out on the bathroom floor. I don't want cold feet. Anyway, you can read about that, but all of this weekend before prepared us or at least myself mentally.
0: Mm-hmm. And those were the types of things in that, honestly, those split seconds before the tornado hit what had happened the week before sort of flashed. You kind of talk about that coming back to you, like flooding back, like, Oh my gosh, I need to run, get their gentle lead leashes. Oh my gosh, I need to grab this. I need to grab that. Were there other things that came into your mind that you thought, Oh, I need to go get that. And then did you ever think there's not time because you didn't know how quickly it was going to hit and no one could have predicted how severely it was going to hit. Was there anything that, you thought, Oh, I should go get that too. But then no, or did, or did you say, Oh, I'm going to get this. And
1: Corey grabbed you and was like, Cray lady, sit down. <laughs> he tried to grab me as I went to go get my socks, but that was really the only thing to be honest. From the moment we woke up, it was pure adrenaline. Like I am ready a hundred percent to run a marathon. I don't run by the way. So I don't know <laughs> what that's really like, but when I would assume it's like to run a marathon, it was us communicating precisely and clearly it was, okay, get our pants because we don't want to be pantsless. Right. And you
0: were were talking, talked about before you got into bed that night, you threw on one of Corey's t-shirts to sleep in. So pants, uh I would believe were essential. Yes,
1: absolutely. So pants, and then I had scooped up all the pillows uh, I could off the bed and threw them in the hall closet. And that ended up being what Corey, my husband tackled me to as The house fell on top of us so that I was cushioned. I had almost no injury to me at all, which is an absolute miracle throughout this entire thing. But no, from the exact moment we woke up to going through each and every step and looking at it in my mind, there was not a wasted moment. There was not a spare thought. There was no even like, oh, why are we doing this? Or, oh, I wonder if we should check our phone and see. We didn't even, after we saw tornado warning on the phone, We didn't turn on the TV. We didn't try to see what County or if it was our region, there was nothing except get to our safe place because our mattress flew. I mean, lots away. It was gone. Everything in our bed, everything in the house was pretty much gone, but things either flew away or were pushed into a pile on top of us. There was no sparing anything. So I can't even tell you why we reacted like that, except that it was all God. There's no reason I've never been in an emergency situation like that. I've never been in a moment where I have to act quickly and in the moment without distraction. And I am severely ADHD. So distractions are the name of my game. My husband's also ADHD. It's kind of fun watching us clean the house and never know what to do again. But I don't know. We just did it.
0: Well, and that's something I think that I took away from this is really trust. You know, I think you and I believe is the Holy spirit speaking to us, but I mean, truly trust your gut. When things come up in your life, you don't ever know. And you might not be dealing with an actual physical tornado. You might not be dealing with a physical storm, but there Mm -hmm. could be something at war (laughs) with you mentally, with you physically, with your heart, a toxic relationship, something going on at your job. And I think that that was something that I wasn't expecting to take away from this book is to really trust that voice that is telling you act now, take action. Because like you said, this was not anything that you had expected before or experienced rather before. So I think that was a lesson that I got from this, that I remember thinking in that moment as I was reading it and tears were streaming down my face. I remember thinking, like, okay, Paige, this is why when people write books, especially nonfiction books, you can get stuff out of fiction too, but nonfiction books where they're sharing their story of experience this is the whole reason I wanted to start the time to pivot podcast is to have people on who could talk about parts of their lives that were hard, where they had to pivot. They -hmm. had to think on their feet. They had to take action and they had to trust that there was a greater plan. And when I was reading this, I was like, okay, Paige, this is the thing. Like don't sleep on this stuff that you're having thoughts about.
1: Take action, you know, mm-hmm. smart
0: action, you know,
1: do yeah. your research and make sure Pray you about know. it. There's a reason you have a gut. There's a reason like we all communicate with God a little bit differently, but we all have that innate feeling like, oh, this isn't right. Or man, this is really how I should be acting, you know, and having almost that conscious to differentiate between what's right and what may not be.
0: Absolutely. Well, I just have to tell you, there was a little part that also made me cry when you talked about when the storm was hitting, holding on to your dogs, trying to hold the collar, trying to hold on for dear life to the tail of your dog as your husband's on top of you trying to protect you. And you talk about what I was not prepared for, but just like the tasting of dirt and stuff in your mouth and not knowing where you were going. I mean, I, I just cannot believe I was having flashes to um that movie twister. Did you ever see that movie <laughs> twister? I've seen clips of it. Yeah. It would probably be traumatizing. Don't go watch it at this point, but that was what I was having those thoughts of. And it, it was quite dramatic. And I remember just thinking like, I knew that she had told me it was bad before I read this book, but I was not prepared for some of the details that you shared and now having our new French bulldog Thor and talking about how obviously you have to go to save yourselves, but at the time they were your children. You didn't have your little boys. They were your girls and you were just desperately trying to hold on and right. One got away from you and you still were able to cling to the other one desperately, but just not knowing what that was going to look like when you came out of it. And I won't, I won't say anything more than that, but that was another part that just like, like I said, like tears were just like streaming down my face. I just thought you go into that mom mode. It doesn't matter if you're your babies <laughs> are fur babies or if they're your real babies, but you go into that. And then just the lives that were lost after of people. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the lessons you do speak a lot to the miracles and I'm going to leave that other than those shoes, it was like miracle upon miracle. But I do believe that you saw those with those eyes because God had prepared your heart for it. Because I think Even when I talk about, I know this is very different than what you experienced, but even when I talk about getting organized in your home to clear the clutter so we see the blessings. I mean, you guys had actually just cleared the clutter right before (laughs) that, but truly you were able to see the blessings. I mean, talk about a major clearing of your space, not what you ever imagined or planned, but I would imagine that as you went through those next days, you were thinking about what truly was important, what truly yeah. is necessary as far as things go, what's valuable and what's completely not anything that'll ever be on your radar again, as far as what was meaningful to you. What was that like after the storm and just deciding what is really important in my life? Yeah. In my
1: life. So regardless of whatever level of importance you give something, I think it's important to say that it's really a necessary part of the process to grieve everything. We had some artwork from Bed Bath & Beyond that we got from our wedding shower. And I loved those beach paintings, but you know, they were nothing. They're paintings, right? Mm -hmm. I grieved those. Or my favorite pair of fuzzy socks. I grieved those too. We had a collection of cups from the local brewery that we really, really liked that represented every year that we had been a member there. And we lost some of those and we grieved those. And those are silly things, right? That's a cup and some paintings and whatnot, not a big deal. But I think it's important to allow yourself to feel everything in the moment. Something that (laughs) <laughs> is ironic is I was always joking with Corey that I wanted to move more towards minimalism and just kind of clearing the slate and starting fresh. And guess what? I got that opportunity. <laughs> Maybe not in the way that I would have picked it, but it did help us to kind of grasp onto what was important in our lives. Something that to me is just not important are all the boxes of things you never look at. And I'm sure you can speak a lot to that as an organizer and somebody who helps people get through those things. It's like, okay, when you open them up and you go through those boxes, enjoy those memories. But if they're going to stay in a box and stay in a space where they don't serve you and serve a purpose, release it. Right. And so that's something that I have gone through. It's like, oh, Would it have been nice to have my hundreds and hundreds of gymnastics medals to hang up and show? Sure, whatever. But what is that really doing for me in my life? They're probably going to sit in a box because I'm not hanging them on the walls now. I want my kids' things to hang on the walls. So releasing that. Also, I will just never be a collector. The only thing I really had collected in the past anyway are my ornaments from childhood. I had the full Barbie ornament collection that my grandma had gotten me that are actually worth a lot of money, I found out those I lost, and then my china. It was not like this crazy expensive china. It was middle of the road, just beautiful, simple, silver lined, like fake silver lined plates and stemware. And I loved them. I would get our china out for regular dinners. I'd set a beautiful table. I loved to host parties. And so losing that was really hard. And I really struggled with like, okay, do I replace this? And what I decided was my money was better spent elsewhere. So I took my little butt to TJ Maxx and I picked out some really awesome glittery on sale plates. And I bought those for a fraction of what I was gifted with my China. And that felt really good to me. Two reasons. One, because it was less stuff. And another thing is because I've tried to move away from materialism, right? So I used to have a wall of shoes. My husband created this beautiful custom closet for me with trim and hardwood floors that were my shelves. It was gorgeous. And I had floor to ceiling shoes. Maybe I didn't wear those shoes all the time and I had accumulated them from friends or on sale or whatever, but they were just there and they were pretty to look at, but I didn't wear all those shoes. And so now it's like, okay, am I going to replace all those? Or am I going to focus a little bit more on functionality and how it's going to serve me in my life and help me to fulfill and serve God's purpose for me? So I think I have one pair of high heels. Now I used to have what, 10 to 15, which I feel like isn't even that astronomical. I feel like a lot of people probably have a lot more, but for me, that was a lot because I live in middle Tennessee and we don't wear a lot of high heels. You know, I'm out doing outdoorsy things. My husband loves to hike. So that kind of a thing. So I've really decreased that. I don't have nearly as many purses and just things that didn't matter as much to me. Did I answer your question there?
0: Oh, you've gone above and beyond. And absolutely. I'm, I'm nodding my head along with everything you're saying, because When you talked about grieving the loss of those things, I just recently did my four day organizing challenge. It was an online thing and we had some people get on and we talked about that, but I also had some people who weren't on live who were sending me messages and some of the stuff that they talked about. And like, anytime I'm speaking on stage afterwards, I'll talk or like in the Q and a after that is what comes up more often than not is how do you let go of stuff how do you let go of things that once upon a time were meaningful to you and you feel almost obligated to hold yes. on? To them? I get it. I get it. And when my grandmother, grandmommy passed away, we went back to her house to clear out some things. And I just remember thinking, I don't want her precious memories to come back to my house and take on a clutter title because they either don't go with the style of my house or don't, you know, whatever. But I love her so, so much. I do believe that she is very much still with me. I feel like I can still smell her. I can still feel her cheek on my cheek. I can think about what her hand feels like. Um, we would always do this funny thing where she would give me a hug and she'd pat me on the booty. And so it became like an inside joke where we would go to hug each other. And I would just automatically stick my booty cheek (laughs) out and she would pat, you know, it just became, it was like a sweet, it was a cute, sweet little thing that obviously nobody else in the world did. And that was like a little thing for us. And I just thought, gosh, when I go back to her place. I don't want to take a lot of her things that were meaningful to her back to my house. And then I don't treasure them the way that she did. So mm-hmm. as we sit here up in my closet, hanging displayed, so I can see it is a necklace that she got for me when I was a jewelry stylist that she wore at almost every event and almost every picture you can ever find of her after she got that for me. And I thought I want that necklace. So I actually wore that on stage the next time I went and I spoke so she's with me there but it's then like you said it's not in a box it's displayed on a wall and i'm That's looking at it has meaning and it's passed away. Yes. And I can physically wear that, or I can appreciate it every day. I'll even walk by and I'll put my hand on it. And I'll just say like, hi, Grandma." I just touch it. And then I'm looking right now, we've got our holiday decorations up right now. And I have this little angel that one of my friends gave to me and it represents her. It says love. It was something somebody gave me after she passed as like a memory of her. And we have these sweet little things. Now this has no meaning to anybody else in the whole wide world. And maybe I'll tell the story another time, but I'll get emotional if I do. So I find screws all over the place at important. Moments where I think, like, oh, I wish grandmommy were here. I'll look down and I'll see a screw. There's a meaning behind it. It's actually quite a funny story, but it's kind of a long story. So I won't go into it now. I'll tell you about I love it. that
1: that's special to you.
0: Yes, but does a screw? I mean, even if you go buy it for full price at a hardware store, a screw is not expensive. So it's not that, it's a meaningful thing and it shows up all the time. So, like, for example, my daughter just went on stage. She was in the play recently at Elf Junior. And I remember as I got out of my car and I was walking in. I was thinking like, oh, grandmommy would really get a kick out of this. Like Isabel is just going to slay this role. She's going to be so good at it. She's going to be so cute. And I just remember thinking like, grandmommy, are you seeing this tonight? Like Isabel's going to be great tonight. And as I approached the door to walk in, no reason in the whole wide world that there should have been a screw laying on the ground, but there was a screw laying on the ground. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. And I looked at, so we actually, with that little angel in the little box that came from, we've collected so many screws over the years. And they, you know, I say, like, if you have a little collection, you know, it's in a little box, it's not taking up space, but it's these special memories. And we can look at a specific screw and be like, do you remember where we found that one? Yep. Do you remember when we walked into the play and it was right there? Yep. Do you remember when you went to get your ears pierced with grandmommy's diamond earrings, when you got your ears pierced and we walked out and there were screws sitting on this little table, totally abandoned. Nobody was there. It was a little cocktail table right outside of the building where she just got her ears pierced with grandmommy's diamond earrings. And there was a handful of screws sitting right there. And I joke that that day she showed up in abundance to make sure perfectly clear that we knew that she was there and she saw her getting her ears pierced for the first time wearing grandmommy's diamond earring. So it's little things like that. Thank you for letting me go through that story. But it's little things like that, that you do find are more important when you, as you said, when you became a minimalist, when that was not even your intention. <laughs> What do you think is the biggest takeaway from this whole experience that maybe is something that continues to come up that you feel like you're going to share with your sons as they get older?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And it's funny because it wasn't hard to, I already have an answer like immediately. It is no matter what you're going through, good, bad, ugly, hard, easy. God will guide you if you let him. And I'm a really big believer in that we're imperfect humans. We are going to mess up over and over and he may open the biggest door ever for you and you don't even realize it and walk right by. But guess what? There's another door that leads the same path that he is going to open again and try to get your attention. And once I adopted that thought process, it took so much pressure off of me Because yes, God's leading us. But if you're like, oh, what if I miss the opportunity? I miss the door. What if I don't do the right thing? There's more opportunity. And you will, if you can just really hone in and do your best to listen to your gut and listen for the Holy Spirit to guide you, he will time and time again. And I feel like my story is a testament to that. And he has completely led me in the past three and a half years through, rebuilding our house and finding places to live. And really like he provided places to live in three different specific scenarios that I talk about in the book. And then guiding us recently, I'd gone from a full-time pediatric physical therapist to part-time and I have a side business of my own that has just Exploded in the past two weeks to levels that I am just thrilled about because I'm just letting God lead me and bring the right people to me and trying to be a blessing to them through what He's given me. So, just overall, just let God lead you and keep listening. And you may not hear it at first because you may not know how to listen for it. It's something you have to practice, right? If you're going to be an athlete in a sport, you're not just good at it right away. You're not just going to be able to pray and like, oh yeah, thanks God. Here's my answer. Let's move on. It's something that you have to continuously work at and continuously try to hear. Thank you for that reminder. I love
0: that so much. I'm so grateful that you spelled that out because sometimes we can forget that we might even like have moments of thinking it, but to hear that over and over again. And I love that that's going to be, that's a legacy that you're going to leave with your kids as well to keep that in your heart and really just know God is there. Should we choose to accept his help? It is up to us because we have free will. Yep. I really love the visual that you gave about one door being closed. If you walk right by it, you haven't missed the opportunity. He'll provide no. it. If that is something that you're supposed to be doing, he'll provide again. And sometimes it's all about that timing and congratulations to you. That was another thing that you and I got to share and talk about our businesses. And that makes me so happy that that is really exploding for you. That's so exciting. And, you know, maybe it was because that wasn't meant to happen until after your book came out and that was something you needed to focus on at that time. And then having your beautiful baby. And that was something you were supposed to focus on at that time. And now this opportunity and the beautiful thing is that all those other things you were doing before, they continue to go alongside you. But I love that you've been able to focus on sort of that one thing. And then I'm a firm believer in asking for help along the way. So in this book, I read a lot of times when there was opportunities for asking for help. Even like when you were with your friends before the storm and you guys were Googling or you were looking up on your phone about like, what's the difference in a tornado warning and a tornado watch? Like even that, you know, you went to your friends, you went to the internet, you're like looking that up. You know, you were asking for help on understanding that. And again, just like setting the tone for like
1: miracles that were going to be happening later. A big lesson for the help is sometimes we don't think we need it. And God provides it when we do, even against our stubbornness, because that definitely happened to me where I didn't think I needed help. And I wanted to give the help. And God's like, no, no, you need to accept it right now because that's what you do. And that's very humbling to say, you're right. I need help. It doesn't have to be like anything crazy. It can just be like, Hey, I need help with an Amazon wish list, you know, or just different things like that. Accepting help is just as hard sometimes, if not harder than giving help, finding ways to give, but receiving is hard too.
0: Absolutely. I mean, just mic drop moment after mic drop moment, Miss Lauren. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you truly for being here today. Lauren, if people want to get this book, now I will say I will 100% drop the link in show notes because everybody needs to get it. Don't you have a website? Did you tell me? I do have a
1: website. It's drlaurenparmer.com. The Amazon link for my book is on there, but you could also just go to Amazon and look up Lauren Farmer after the storm or Dr. Lauren Farmer. It doesn't matter. There's hardback, paperback, and Kindle.
0: Amazing. Well, you know, by the way, I'm totally going to try to talk you into doing the audio book too with my people, because I feel like this is the kind of thing that people need to hear you reading this story. So
1: I would love the information. Definitely connect me with that.
0: We for sure will talk after several of the other Landon Hill Press authors and I have been speaking recently about doing that as well, because I think, I think in this day and age, we still want the book in our hand to go through and read, but in reality, sometimes we aren't able to get it. Like we might start it, but we might not finish it, but we really want to because why? Because life. And so I just love the idea of being able to listen to books on audio. I listen in the shower.
1: Oh yeah. That's so good. I love that. I'm listening to a book right now and reading it and I'm on different pieces on the actual physical book and in the audio book. So good. Crazy. So good. Well, listen, I started
0: to say something when I was asking you, I think, sorry, I stepped on you just a little bit. I didn't mean to, but I wanted to give a little credit to somebody who helped you out a lot with some of the graphic design and the artwork. And the reason when I was saying that about your website, it, is it your sister or your sister-in-law? who? who My sister.
1: You? Yes. My your only sister.
0: sister. Okay. Your sister, she did such a beautiful job. I just want to give a shout out to her. I mean, asking for help. She was right there and she helped you.
1: She is amazing. Her name is Caitlin Hampton and she actually does graphic design and app creation. She is amazing. She did digital artwork for that. And she just like is a jack of all trades. She's taught herself coding and she is amazing at that.
0: That is fantastic.
1: We got to send some
0: shout outs to our... Our friends and our family who are helpful, so I love that. That is so fantastic. Thank you so much, Lauren, for being here. I could talk to you all day, and I'll probably I know I could will <laughs> probably be texting you after this when we get off. We'll we'll keep chatting. Certainly, we'll have to chat about that audio book. But thank you so much for your time. You have a baby to get to in the other room. I look forward to staying friends with you and staying in touch and continuing to be able to support each other in this crazy wild life and just love on each other and be able to do that through our faith as well. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome. Amazing. All right. You guys join me next week for more amazing guests and other people who are coming on and sharing ways that they have pivoted in their life and know that God has a plan. So thank you all so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Time to Pivot podcast. If it was helpful for you, I'd love for you to head over to Apple Podcast, hit that fifth star and write a review. Wanna book me to speak at your next event or work with me one-on-one to get clarity around your gifts, how to serve others and go from stuck and stressed to focused and fulfilled? Reach out on the contact page at everythingwithstyle.com and connect with me on social at everythingwithstylemom. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast. And mom boss, remember this, your gifts are meant to be shared. Don't keep them to yourself and stay in your comfort zone. This is your time to pivot.